We've been in a series on faith, assurance, and conviction. I remember reading a story uh, some while ago about a guy by the name of Charles Bolden. He was a, a tightrope artist. He would walk across Niagara Falls. And as he walked across Niagara Falls, you know, people would cheer him on, be like, hey, that's great, you know, do it. Do it. So one time he, he grabbed a wheelbarrow, and as he, he walked across this, this tightrope on a wheelbarrow, you know, he brought, he come back and people said, we, this is awesome, you're great. He's like, do you think I can do it again? They're like, we believe you can do it again. So he did it again. He came back and he said, do you believe I can do it again? They said, yes, we believe. He said, all right, who wants to jump in this wheelbarrow? <laughs> and yes, we believe you can. There's a difference between faith and belief, right? You, you, if you have real faith, I need to see the conviction about it. It's not just one thing to say it. You actually have to walk it out. And that's what we're talking about today. It's how do we have a conviction, not just the faith. Last week we talked about having an assurance, causing the things that are in the future that we're, we're looking forward to, grabbing it and bringing it present. But it's more than just having an assurance. It's now, you know what, I'm going to change the way I walk based off of the assurance that I have but that's difficult when we don't have the evidence of what we're seeing. Although conviction, it says that it's the conviction of things not seen. But I can tell you today is that the Lord has given us plenty, plenty to pull from to give us conviction. Even if it's in the unseen, he is using, he is using the seen to give us faith and confidence in the unseen. And today we're going to unpack that today. Will you pray with me today? Father in heaven. We just need you in a way that is beyond words of any language. Lord, you, you, you see, if we just was to lay out our life like the cards, you see everything, God, that is in our life that is so desperate for you. And I pray today, Lord, when we walk out of here, Lord, that you would give us the faith to trust in you, Lord. It's not faith in faith itself. It's faith in you, that you are a faithful God, that you're steadfast, that you don't fail. And so I pray, Father, would you prepare our hearts and ready us, Lord, to, to hear what your word has to say. Allow us, God, to see the unseen. Allow us, God, to believe, God, and have conviction and faith and things that are not tangible, but to believe in a hope that truly is the anchor of our soul, namely Jesus. And I pray, God, you give us the faith, Lord, to do just that. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. When I look at the word conviction in Webster's Dictionary, it seems very simple to me. It says, a firmly held belief or opinion, and I know that cannot be that easy, right? It's not just that easy. When I look at Scripture and I read it, it, it feels very straightforward, but I, I know better than that. And so I started digging into it a little bit and trying to figure out what this word meant. There's a Greek word that's used here for elenkos. It's called elenkos. Uh, is the Greek word. The KJV translates the word evidence. I like that better than conviction, but it misses something as well. And so you have conviction that's missing something, and you have evidence that's missing something, but Alenkos is going to try to help us understand that. And so I want to just kind of move down through some scripture today 
and just to see what is this word trying to teach you and I about the word um, that helps us believe and have faith, especially in the things that are not seen. That's difficult for us to have. And so let's, let's stack the evidence up, you know, much like when a person goes to court, they have evidence that's stacked up. And when the evidence becomes so great, then, then they're convicted and they have to walk out of the courtroom under conviction. That means they have to live their life differently. And I'm praying that you and I will walk out of here this morning under a conviction of his word that we'll walk differently. That the evidence will be right there. It may be the unseen evidence to other people, but you and I will have faith, the eyes of faith that will be able to see it and to know how to walk. So let me give you probably five of about 30. I won't do the 30 for you today because it's 11 o'clock. Oh, my goodness, I got robbed my time. We're going to be here for y'all. We're going to be here a little while today, so go ahead and, 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 uh, and strap in. Hey, I will say this. At some point, I'm going to have someone come up and give their testimony, and so if you need to leave before them, please go ahead and leave before them. We just want to be respectful of the time that they give their testimony. So go to Matthew 18, 15. I want to show you where this word elenkos jumps in and begins to color the definition that you and I are going to grab hold of and put where there is a conviction. The word conviction is in Hebrews 11, 1. Matthew 18, 15, maybe you have read this verse many a time. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell elenkos, that word tell elenkos, him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. So Jesus is teaching that if a fellow believer has done some wrong against you, then, then you are to let him know that you're supposed to expose that, to allow it to come to light. But notice this, there's two things. One is that something has actually happened, and now your job is to make it known so that way you guys can reconcile it and move past it. In John 8, 9, it says, but when they heard it, Jesus is speaking to uh, a, a, a council of men who are waiting to stone a woman for her adultery who was caught in the act of it. And, and he is speaking to them and he's saying this, whoever is without sin cast the first stone. And it says when they heard it, those words, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. When they heard what Jesus said, they had to deal with the things that was inside of them. They knew that they could, not, they could not kill this woman. They could not stone her because there was something that was hidden in them that Jesus knew. They didn't know it, that he knew. And they realized they had to come face to face with the truth that was being hidden inside of them. That's what Alenkos is referring to. 1 Corinthians 14, 24 says, But if all prophesy and an unbeliever outside enters, he is convicted. By all. He is called to account by all. And so Paul is teaching here in the church that if, if all of your prophesy, then what happens is, is, a, is a, an unbeliever comes in, and if he hears you all speaking and saying things to the, the unbeliever, that he's called to account for his sin. He has to come to terms with what is happening. And, and, and that's what that word elenkos is, is speaking to right there. Again, the word convicted is we have to come to account. We have to come to terms. We have to deal with what's set before us. Ephesians 5.11 is the same thing. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose, elenkos them. And the last one is um, a great scripture. It says 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for re 
proof, which is elenkos, for correction and for training in correction and righteousness. So scripture is profitable because it's confronting the truth in our life that we try to keep hidden. We don't want the word of God to dig down deep, but the word of God has no idea what walls are, right? And it does not respect us in that way. If we're trying to hold on to sin and trying to keep it concealed, the Holy Spirit just seems right in there with the word of the, the Lord, and he separates bone and marrow, right? And so he, he gets right into our life and says, this is what I was looking for. It was hidden. You thought it was invisible, but here it is. This is the word that the, the writer of Hebrews is using. He is saying that the word conviction, that word elenkos, is working on two concepts. Expose. He wants, to, he wants to expose things that are hidden. And he wants to bring to light the evidence of the things that are hidden. So first got to expose it, but also we got to go find that evidence. So let me reread Hebrews 11.1 1 with the definition we could probably paraphrase from those passages and, and really many more. I would say this. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and faith exposes the evidence of things not seen. Faith exposes the evidence of things not seen. You and I, we feel like when we have to have faith in something, just because it's unseen does not mean it's not real. And it does not mean it's sitting there waiting to come to life and to be animated. That's not the truth. Faith is the ability to look into something that is already and to pull it down into your ability to see and act on it. So if I know that it already exists and my faith is just saying I claim it for myself, I pull it down in my life so it can apply to me. Let me just stop real quick and just say, Faith itself is powerless unless you're putting faith in the right place. That is faith in Christ. We do not, we don't receive healing or any other thing we're not looking for. Maybe, maybe it's provision or maybe it's a relationship or healing or, or whatever, whatever it might be. You, faith doesn't make that thing come true. It's faith in the Lord's promises, right? And unless you understand that, you're just believing that particles in the air will come together with such synergy and power and produce what you're hoping for, and that's not going to be the case. You must understand that your faith is only powerful because your faith is in him who is able to do it. If it's not in Jesus Christ, then it's not really faith. It's just a belief or a hope. I think the other word for it is credulity, which means just a blind belief that's naive and it never comes to pass. And so we want to have faith in Christ. And there's a reason why we should have faith in Christ. Because when, concerning the unseen things of the world, the Lord has not just proven to us that he is real, but the Lord has also proven to us that he is reliable. And he has also proven to us that he is relevant. And so this morning as we're talking about how do I walk in a way that says I am convicted about what I believe. I would tell you the reason why you and I can walk in faith knowing that what we have asked for will come to pass is because God is reliable, that God is real, and that God I love the most is relevant. He's relevant. 
He's not just real and antiquated, right? He's just not real and inconsistent, but he's real, he's reliable, and he's relevant. And so let me just talk about how real God is just for a second. In fact, when it comes to the unseen world, you and I, we, we understand that the unseen world is not something that's totally amiss from us. Right now, you and I are living in an unseen world. In fact, the clothes that I wear, the, the, this platform, this stage, all of it consists of an unseen world, right? Protons, neutrons, and electrons. Somebody went to school. All right. So, so you, you, those three things exist. Now, you can't see those things, but they are actually really, cons- and if, if those things weren't uh, existing, you'd have nothing, what we call as matter, and so therefore you would have none of this stuff up here that you see. And so what I want you to know is this, is that the visible is the product of the invisible. Say that with me. The visible is the product of the invisible. Now, I need you to go back and apply that to Hebrews 11.1. Because a lot of times when we're trying to believe and walk out our faith, we're really wanting to believe as hard as we can, hoping that, man, if I had something I could see, something I could touch, something I could taste, something I could hear, I would have greater faith. But I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to give you what you think you need that's tangible in your faith is actually invisible. Because whatever is visible is only a product of the invisible. You can see that right there through the neutrons, electrons, and protons. But even something else right now. Did you know that right now in this room there's a lot of drama? A lot of drama in this room. <laughs> Ton of drama. Matter of fact, there's sports <laughs> and music. And somebody may sh- sharing a, a picture about you online. But right now, if you and I were able just to grab the air, it's, it's there. But you can't, you can't get to it, right? There's this thing called Wi-Fi. Y'all know what that is, right? Wi-Fi. And Wi-Fi really is the encasing of radio wave technology, right, to transmit data. That's all that really is. Some of y'all say, I don't know what that means, but whatever. But here's the thing is, you don't have to know what it means. All you need to know is that what does it produce? You know that it produces something because when you pull your phone up while Pastor Scott is talking, you can catch up on the sports and go, oh, look at there. Right? He's talking about this right now while I'm watching this. The invisible always produces the visible. Your life is based off this concept. But somehow in our flesh way, we feel like we can't really walk out in conviction. That means do what we should do as if we had real proof. But we need to understand is that the visible is only the product of the invisible. I wish I had time to preach, but you know, here we are. I want you to see this, is that that's not just something we see in our world. It's how the world came about. Look at Hebrews 11.3. Hebrews 11.3 says this, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. In the very beginning, everything that was visible, when it was created, was actually made out of the invisible. Everything that we would substantiate our proof and test our theories and our laws of science and reason is coming from something that cannot be tested. It must have faith. 
to hold on to. This world was created out of the invisible because that's how the Lord meant it to be. And it's how it has to be because everything created is finite and you can't have something finite creating something else that's finite unless you go back to something that's infinite. I don't get lost in all that cosmologically. We'll just keep on moving on. All right, so here's what I want you to understand too is that everything that you and I own, clothes, house, cars, whatever it might be, those things are product of the invisible will, will one day go away. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. It says, as we look not to the things that are seen, that's the visible stuff, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are transient, the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So Paul is saying this, listen, don't set your eyes which is a source of your faith on the things that fade away. But set your eyes on the things that produce the seen things, for those are the eternal things, and they're the true source of our faith. But you and I, we struggle with that. Lord, I, I, I need you to help me. If, 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 you would just, if you would just do X, Y, Z, I would know this is your word. If you would just tell me, if you would just show me in your word, if you would just send someone to come to my house and knock on my door, if you would just give me this job, then I would know. This is, we're looking for the tangible stuff. And the Lord is saying this. He is saying, you don't understand that I have been proving to you all along that I am real by giving you things that are tangible as proof of the intangible, giving you the visible as proof of the invisible and in our western thought that is backwards how in the world but that's what he says right here in hebrews eleven three. so god is real we know he is real the world came about because of him he is infinitely greater but god is also reliable he's he's so consistent to teach us He's so sure to teach us, to lead us into a place that we're not, we're not in some crossroad of our life, and he's not given us the word to be able to see the things that we cannot see. Because true faith is just that, right? It's, it's a conviction or an understanding in the things we do not see. And God has given us three lights to, to convey to us how, um, how creation is seen, how, how um, uh, the revelation of his word is seen, and ultimately his son. And so I, what I wanted to see here is that there is the, the concept of three lights of uh, a revelation speaks to the proofing of God, but it also speaks to our faith in him. So first off, I want you to know is that there is a light of creation. A light of creation. Look at Romans 1.20. Romans 1.20 says this, For his invisible attributes... His invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So Paul is writing concerning the unrighteous person who is doing his best to suppress that there is no God. He's trying to suppress the truth of God. And Paul says, what you don't realize is that there's no excuse that he can cling to because I have given him things that are seen that embody and prove the fact that my eternal attributes, my invisible attributes are real. So how does it apply to us? Faith. Faith is the conviction in things 
that are invisible as the attributes of God, but are just as real as the things that are made. You see, one day, that man is going to have to face the Lord. And he's going to have to give an account to the things that he has seen. And the Lord is going to hold him an account because he's going to say, listen, I made my invisible self visible to you in the things that are seen. And when you experience that, you did not respond to it. You did not walk away with the conviction in your life and you denied the truth. So I'm holding you accountable. And the Lord speaks to us today and he says, I don't know what you need, what, what promise you're trying to cling to. But the Lord is saying, I'm giving you visible things to prove to you invisible things. So that way you'll walk in a conviction knowing that I've been challenged and I have a truth I can hold on to to make me believe and walk in a way that what what I'm hoping is real is actually real it is actually real so the conviction is a powerful thing because if we just have an assurance you just have a belief but how does your faith change your walk tomorrow how does your faith change your talk tomorrow when you forgive someone and you believe that you have forgiven them why? Because Christ has forgiven you. That's what we're holding on to. That's the promise. And if that be true, then that conviction should change the way I walk and the way I talk. If I come to you and we have, uh, say me and Pastor Randy, we got some, uh, you talk bad about my mama. Don't do it again, Pastor Randy. Don't do it again. But if it offended me and I forgave him, the next time I come to Pastor Randy, I cannot act in a way that is not in, in agreement with my belief. If I truly believe I forgave him, then shouldn't my words back that up? Yes, because that is the conviction of my belief. I cannot separate my faith and my conviction from each other, but most of the time we do. And the Lord is saying here, that one day I'm going to hold you to account because you're struggling and there's some things I gave, I put within your grasp and you denied those things. I gave you reasons to believe that your promises were yes and amen, but you denied those things because you were clinging to the visible when you should have been clinging to the invisible. You and I can walk in the conviction that what is going to happen is as real as what has already Happened. The second thing is the light of conscience. The light of conscience. Romans chapter 2, verse 14 through 16 says this. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves. Even though they do not have the law, they show, they show, walk in conviction. They're, they're exercising that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. Paul is simply saying this. He's saying that Gentiles didn't have the physical source of truth, but they were still walking out the conviction as if they had it because it was written on their hearts. You do not need a physical source of truth. 
You do not need a sign. You do not need an omen. That'd be great if God does that. I'd be so great to lay my fleece out before the Lord and let the water fall on this side one day and water fall on this side the other day. I would love to do that, but you do not need that because all of the signs that we ever need is on the cross of Christ. That's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. If he died on that thing and rose the next day, what sign else, what other sign could there be? What other sign could there be? And there is an inward witness. He sent his Holy Spirit to write upon my heart that he is true and faithful and just in all ways. And just like a Gentile who knows to walk and talk the right way because of his heart's conviction, so you and I, when we believe, ought to have the conviction written on our heart though we have no physical source that means when the doctor says i have a source of truth that says you're ill you're sick you say that's that's great doc but there's something inside of me that binds me to the faith that i cling to that says i am healed and i know what your report is saying i know your report is saying that right now i'm sick but i'm telling you that tomorrow i'll be made whole I've just not gotten to the place where I experienced the wholeness and the healing of the Lord. I don't need a physical source of truth to govern me and tell me what I need to do. I already have that. And so we too, when faced with no physical evidence, should live so convicted by the truth in our own hearts by our faith that when others look at us they see no difference in our lifestyle and our belief whether or not we have seen or unseen evidence in our faith i should walk today as if i've already been healed tomorrow because if we don't have that faith we just have a hope we're just hoping it goes back to even, even in a relationship. If you're asking God to heal a relationship, if you're asking God to meet a financial provision, remember last week I said, Lord, if you just put me in better shape, I'll eat better. <laughs> no, 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 do that today. Do that today. If the Lord has really given to you what you're asking for and you believe it, then wouldn't you operate in a relationship that's broken as if it was restored if you're believing God to do that? Wouldn't that make sense? Are you saying the reason why it's not restored is because he's not done it yet? But I believe that God has done it. When I pray, I believe God has done it. In fact, this week I've, I've been able to pray for two or three different people and God was, was doing it right there. I, I love that. It's not always that way. But I love it when it is. But even if it's not, I know he's faithful and true. I know I can count on him. I can count on him when everything else says not to count on him. Can I just talk to you for a second about if you don't know God, you may be in your mind saying, man, I can't wait for this guy to show up and wrap up. But let me just tell you today, you're not here because you chose to be. He drew you here. You're, 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 you're here on an appointment. And the word of the Lord is here today to tell you that even though you cannot touch me and test me, 
I'm more real than the seat that you sit on. I'm more real than the relationship that you cling to in place of me. I'm more real than the dreams you're trying to use to numb the pain that you're going through. I'm more real than those things. He's brought you here today to speak to your lack of faith. But I know in my heart that the Lord is trying to get you to see that everything that you've ever desired in life is found in him if you just have faith in him. And that faith has not put us to shame is what Romans 5.3 says. Or 5.5 says that you can, I can have faith even when the world is laughing at you saying, why would you believe in something so preposterous? There is no shame in that. You're sitting in a room full of people who have went through that thing in life. We have walked through faith challenges in life. And can I tell you that God has been faithful every time. The last thing is the light of Christ. We see that, that in Christ's nature and in his essence, 2 Corinthians 4 says, in their case, the God of this world was blinded, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. If you fail to see who Christ is, it's because Satan is at work to blind you. But it does not mean that the reality of his glory is not true. It is true. You're just blinded. But he has come to free your sight. John 1, 9 says that of all the other lights that there are to expose God for who he is, for God is the invisible, that Jesus has made him visible. For he is the true light, which gives light to everyone. That means you and I no longer have any reason to say, I cannot understand the invisible i cannot touch the invisible so those things in my life that require me to see in the invisible world to pull down into my life i have no reason to say that's not possible because i have jesus christ who has made the invisible father visible to you and i and the only reason why you would be right and i was wrong is if jesus didn't really raise from the dead and if that's a struggle you have, I would encourage you to go out there and research the resurrection. There'll be more information than you care to process. The last thing is simply this, as the worship team comes up, is that God is just not real. I'm not, I can't just prove him to be real. And so my faith needs something that has substance. And so I can, I can step out on something that is invisible and, and, and know that it's real because God is real. And not only is he reliable... But most importantly, I think we forget this time and time again, is that God is relevant. How is God relevant? He's relevant through the testimonies that he gives us. Look at the writer of Hebrews, how he writes. He says in Hebrews 11:4, by faith, Abel offered to God. 11:5, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. 11.7 says, By faith Noah was being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen. And he saved his whole household. 11.8 says, By faith Abraham obeyed. He was called to go out to a place that he was, that he was to receive as an inheritance. And 11.11 says, By faith Sarah herself received power to conceive. What I need you to know is simply this. Is that God has used people all along the way 
that regardless of their background, regardless of their situation, I guarantee you somebody is in the same position that you are in. They're going through the same things that you're going through. Come from the same stuff that you've came from. And the Lord is saying that their testimony, what I did in them, is still capable in you. The power of a testimony is, is, is insanely powerful. It's so powerful. It's so powerful that Revelations 12, 11 says this, that, that they have conquered him or overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I think, I think you need to realize how powerful your testimony is. The blood of the lamb overcame Satan's accusations. Satan came to you and said, you know what? You're a thief. You're a liar. You're an adulterer. You're a murderer. You're a hater. You're proudful. You're boastful. And you know what? He was right. We don't deny those things. But the blood of the lamb said, that's okay. Because whatever they owe, I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. I don't have a problem with Satan telling me all the things I've done wrong. It's okay. I admit it. But in my admittance, I also accept the blood that covers me in that. But then, there's a power of the testimony. And the testimony deals, as the blood deals with Satan's accusations, the testimony deals with Satan's deception. Because Satan's deception is simply this. I know Jesus did that thing, but let's be honest, you're just the same. You haven't changed. You don't deserve to be healed. Even though Christ paid for your sins, you don't really deserve to be healed if you really look at your life. You're not really walking this out like you're supposed to. You're not doing the things you're supposed to be doing. You don't deserve. You've not earned. And you can't merit it. Why would God heal you? Why would God restore your marriage? Why would God free you? Why would God deliver you? You have no reason. You have no reason. And he deceives us so cleverly and so well because we believe lie over truth almost any and every day when it, con when it concerns us being condemned. He's right. He's right. But Jesus says they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. That means I need to hear you say to me, Scott, I knew. I know what it's like to go through that. But Jesus is still delivering people like me. He's still, he's still setting free people like me. He's still healing people like me. And if he can do that for people like me, he can do that for people like you. of a testimony is powerful. This morning, I want to bring Tiffany up. She's going to give to you her testimony. And I want you to understand, maybe some of you have not been in her shoes, but today I hope that you'll allow her to remind you that just when you feel like you don't deserve to have what she's received, her testimony is an encouragement to you to seek and ask again because he is faithful. 
of you that know my journey, and to be honest, this is so far out of my comfort zone, I don't even really know how to start this. Pastor Scott, I'll, I'll share in my testimony, but a while back, he, he prayed over me, and, and he said I would share my story eventually, and I told him at night of worship, thinking I'd get to share there, and he messaged me yesterday and asked me to do this this morning, so just bear with me, because... I am not a public speaker, um, sorry. but I knew that whenever God healed me, that I would share my story. The people here that do know me know that I've spent a good portion of my life sick. One thing or another, basically since birth, I've been sick. Um, about a year after our youngest son, Brighton, was born, I became sick constantly. It, it was a battle on the regular. I had more sick days than I had good days. Um, I'm not going to go into all of the, the horrible story, um, but, sorry, but I went through painful treatments. I would lose huge amounts of weight. At one point, I was down to 74 pounds. This vicious cycle continued for about 13 years. I would be okay for a while and then the attacks would start again and I would be in the exact same position. Um, the summer of 2019, I was at my lowest point. I was struggling with depression, anxiety, and so many other things. At one point I looked at Shane and I said, I can't do this anymore. If this is how I'm going to live my life, I don't wanna live. I never considered taking my life, but there were many, many times that I prayed to God that if this was going to be my life, that he would go ahead and take me because I didn't want to face that. I didn't want my entire world to be sickness. I didn't want my boys to only see me as this sick person that slows life down. Shortly after that, um, I received a phone call that there was a trial treatment. They presented it to me, and it was going to be horrible. Um, it would be the most horrific thing that I had ever faced, but it could heal me. I was willing to try anything at this point. It was months of pure torture. I couldn't handle any noise or light at all, so I was in a dark room alone 99% of the time. My body got to the point where it couldn't it just couldn't con handle the treatment. I was viciously sick 24 seven. Um, they had to end up stopping the trial treatment about three quarters of the way in, but they felt that it had been pretty successful. We wouldn't know for some time. Um, once I started putting weight back on, I realized I actually felt better. I never, uh, in 13 years, I had never said that I felt good. I had okay days, but I never felt good. Um, I could eat and not get sick. I actually felt hungry for the first time in 12 years, which was really strange. Um, it worked. The treatment worked. All the torture was worth it. So I thought. <laughs> Fast forward to this past May, I started being sick. It was the exact same feeling and it was terrifying. 
I knew I was back at square one. Shane wanted me to go to the doctor immediately. I couldn't face it. I couldn't do it again. I told him I just can't. I just can't. I can't face what that means. I wasn't willing to go through treatments again. So if that was, if I had my sickness again, I just didn't know what the result was going to be. Um, I just couldn't face it again. We began praying. We had people pray over me. Um, I went, came forward, and I had people praying over me. I was praying it and claiming in Jesus' name that I would be healed. I kept reminding myself of Mark 11:24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. I said this over and over and over to myself. I was praying it and I was believing it. And I was claiming it in Jesus' name. It, got, it was getting worse and getting pretty bad pretty quick. At our night of worship, I think it was in July, Pastor Scott prayed over me. I don't remember what he prayed, but I know when he got done praying, he told me he's not just praying for my healing, but he was praying for my healing and for me to share what God has done. And I said right then, when I'm healed, I will share what God has done. I went on with life, and one day it hit me, I didn't feel sick. The next day, I wasn't sick. I went weeks and I wasn't sick. It just went away. No doctor, no. No doctor, no treatment, nothing. But I had everything because I had God. I had people praying over me. Doctors haven't been able to truly fix me but God. This all happened right around church camp time. And I know that Satan was putting that back in me to try to keep me from going to camp, from keeping me to do what God had called us to do. But God, yet again, he proves us that he is able. Don't give up hope. It may not happen fast. Mine has been a 15-year journey. We stayed faithful to serving the Lord when I couldn't lift my head. We kept pushing forward when I wanted to give up. We were in youth ministry the entire time I was sick. Youth ministry is challenging enough, but for Shane to have to lead teenagers while constantly worried his wife might die, that's a different level. But God kept saying, don't give up. I got you. When my sickness returned this summer, I heard the song, Trust in God. And when the song said... I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. That's why I trust him. I just sat and cried. I knew one day I was going to be able to say, I sought the Lord and he heard and he answered. And guess what? He did. He heard our prayers. He heard our prayers for healing and I'm healed. Don't give up hope. Don't put a time stamp on it. When you can't go anymore, keep crying out to him because he hears and he answers. Trust him. I want to know today that that's her testimony. 
What's your testimony? Some of you today are looking to add to your testimony. Start a testimony. Can we just do something really fast? If you've ever, ever been healed in your body, raise your hand. If the Lord ever healed your body, amen. If you've ever been delivered from drugs, sex, alcoholism, bitterness, pride, anger, if you've been delivered, raise your hand. If you've ever been set free from suicide, depression, if you've ever been set free from generational curses, if you've ever been set free from those, raise your hand. Somebody in here today needs to hear your testimony. But more importantly, somebody needs to work on their testimony. And so I'm going to open the altars up. I know it's 1145, but we ain't going nowhere. If you got somewhere else to go, you can go. But right now, the Lord wants to work on somebody's testimony. So I'm going to ask you, if you say, Pastor Scott, I don't need faith, I need Christ. I don't need faith, I need Jesus. And I want him to work on my testimony. I need him to heal me. I need him to deliver me. Or I need him to free me. And if that's you this morning, and you want to take that walk and step out and say, today, I'm adding to my testimony. Today, I'm starting my testimony. If that's you, I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you come down to the altar? I'm, I'm working on my testimony today. I'm going to be healed today. I'm going to be set free today. I'm going to be delivered today. Everybody's good. Don't listen. There's, there's no... There's no shame. This is what you want. This is between you and the Lord. We walk out of here and go to lunch. That's between you and God. I want to know is do you want it? Do you have the faith? Do you have the conviction this morning? Now this morning as, as they come up here to pray, we're going to pray for them. I need you to pray with boldness that what you've experienced, they'll experience too. As the worship team sings, will you pray? Don't just sit there and pray little, but pray large. Allow your faith to rise on their behalf. Would you join us?